So, good morning, and I want to ask a question. What makes a home a home? Thank you. What makes a home a home? What makes a house a home? Love, care, okay, yes. Family, yes. Wife. Okay, well, but if you don't have a wife, you can still have a home, can't you? Somewhere you eat together. So, a table... A table. More important than a TV, then. Okay. So, um, we uh, felt as a church that God wanted to give us a home, and he gave us this. And, you know, Jesus never asked us to agree with him, but he did ask us to follow him. So he's provided this home, and we followed him here. Now, we are the church where we live, actually. We minister where we live, where we play, where we work. That's where we minister. That's where we are at God's presence in the whole world. But, um, you know, where we meet is also valuable. So the Bible is an account, actually, of how God wants to bring us home. The whole of the Bible is that account. It starts with, with uh, God uh, living with Adam in the, cool, and in the garden, going for walks with him. And then Adam decided one day he was going to rebel against God, and he didn't want God involved in his life. And uh, ever since, as it were, God has been um, rejected by human beings. And, uh, and yet he's been reaching out in all kinds of different ways to bring us back home. And we've, uh, often people perhaps don't feel that connection because we've lost that connection with God. But God wants to restore that connection. He wants to bring us right back into the, the very hearth, round his table, to eat with him, to know him as, uh, to be adopted in his family, to know him as our father. And I, I want to just look at a th- three or four scripture passages just to open this up a little bit. And the first one is to a section in Exodus chapter 32, which Adam might have on the screen there. And this is a section, uh, this is all to do with Moses. If you remember Moses, he was the guy who led the uh, ancient people of Israel across the Red Sea. You might have seen films about this where the Red Sea gets parted and then the Egyptians get drowned in the Red Sea because once the people of Israel had crossed, the uh, Egyptians who were attacking them were following along in the uh, through the opening and they got drowned. And um, <clears throat> Not long afterwards, as they kept on, uh, they were then walking round Sinai, which is still there, of course. They'd escaped Egypt, crossed into Sinai, uh, quite a desert area. They were very reliant on God to give uh, water from the rock. It was in the passage that was read from the psalm earlier. Uh, all kinds of stuff happened, and the people actually got pretty fed up because they had a pretty miserable life in Egypt. But you often forget how part miserable your past was when God leads you on a journey because change is a bit threatening, it's a bit uncomfortable. And so they began grumbling and all kinds of stuff was going off. And so we get to this section here. And uh, Moses is up on the mountain uh, meeting with God. God's telling him stuff, giving him the Ten Commandments. It's quite famous on the two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments. And uh, meanwhile, down in the valley, the people of Israel are getting up to no good. They're they're, they're not being faithful to what God had said. And so in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt... You notice how God makes them uh, Moses' people at that point. You know, it's a bit like a husband and a wife quarrelling about the children. Your son has... (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, that they've become corrupt. Verse 8, they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. You see, God wanted to bring them back home. But, but you know, he doesn't. if his home is filled with people who are being violent and unjust and, and, and raping one another and um, uh, abusing one another and bullying one another, then it, it's no longer a home, is it? So he needs to he needs to change us so that the home he wants can be the home he wants, and, and these people weren't going with that, and uh, and so that various things they were getting into they were worshiping other gods they'd made some golden idols and they were worshiping those and then in verse nine it says this I've seen these people the Lord said to Moses and I'm going to come back you need to listen carefully to this because this isn't what it appears so listen carefully I've seen these people the Lord said to Moses and they are stiff-necked people now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them then I will make you into a great nation you might think well this is is quite heavy this is what I thought Christians believed in a nasty God who's coming and and get us Okay, but you need to listen because it says verse 10 there says now leave me alone God says to Moses now leave me alone Moses had been praying to God he'd been nagging God saying you be merciful to the people be merciful please forgive the people be merciful to them and then look at verse 11 but Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God Lord he said why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power remember you're the God who wants to bring them home and and, and so he goes on and then it says verse 14 just skipping ahead um, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened now what's going on here I want to suggest to you that that God our father was doing some fathering with Moses he 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 was trying to test Moses because it was a great offer this wasn't it telling Moses you know I'm willing to forget Abraham and his tribe I'm willing to start over with you Moses let's let's forget all these annoying other Christians have you seen that sign up in over someone's desk in an office you know how can I soar like an eagle when I work with turkeys (laughs) right and sometimes we can feel like that if only I didn't have all these other people my neighbors these other people at church I could be such a wonderful person And, and Moses gets that offer from God but is it's not a genuine offer this is this is god wanting moses to press back against him because he wanted to to know does moses know who i really am and moses does know he did know it says in one of the psalms that moses knew the ways of god and the deeds of god he knew his deeds but also his ways and he knew that god our father loves us and he's wanting to rescue us and he's wanting to bring us back home and so moses kept praying oh father just forgive them don't 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 do this okay and in fact later on um, because um, remember, you see, in verse ten, God's saying, "Now leave me alone." In other words, stop praying for me to be merciful. Right? He's given a, Moses has given a command by God: stop praying for me to be merciful. But Moses does not obey that command because God didn't want him to obey that command. God wanted him to keep pleading for that mercy. And, uh, and that's why God is merciful. There are several other stories in Scripture, like with um, the prophet Jonah, where this kind of same thing plays out, where God wants to see, are you actually, do, 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 do you understand how merciful I am or not? And so uh, there, there is Moses learning that he 
knows that God is merciful. So he disobeys God and he keeps on praying. In fact, in verse 32 of Exodus 32, which is not on a slide, uh, in fact, Moses says this. Now, please, he says, but now he says to God, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. What an extraordinary thing to pray. Moses was willing to say, if, 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 you need some, if you've got to punish somebody for this sin, then punish me in their place. Isn't that an astonishing thing to pray? How many of us, with someone who's maybe really dealt with us badly and, and, and been malicious towards us, would pray to God and say, would you blot me out rather than them? What a sign of how Moses had caught the heart of his God. And in this, he was actually reflecting the Son of God, wasn't he? Because one day, when Jesus came, he didn't just make this offer. He, the Father said, well, actually, Son, I'm going to let you go through on this offer and actually offer your life and die in place of all of them. Right? And uh, so that's in verse 32 of Exodus 32. So, this is the spirit of kingdom mercy that, that we Christians want to demonstrate. Apparently, we don't always do that, according to what Mick was just sharing just now. Sometimes we get these things a little wrong and it's a bit difficult, but we want to be sharing in the spirit of mercy. And so, the wonderful thing here is that the Father was even merciful to these grumbling people. Right, and they were grumbling against God. You know, Moses was going to say, God, it's so hard to lead these people. They grumble and grumble. And God said to him, they're not grumbling against you. They're grumbling against me. Because, you know, all grumbling is ultimately against God. And uh, God is even merciful to grumbling people. And, friends, there's a lot of grumbling in Great Britain. So we should thank God he's merciful to grumbling people because there's hope for people in Great Britain. Because Britons complain a lot. We are grumbling people. It's one of the standard ways which British people make relationships with other people is we grumble together about... Well, it's, it's true. We grumble together about the gas board or the, the local authority or about the, the school or about the hospital or about uh, X and X and X. It is a, it's, it, and we need to find different ways, actually, of building contact with people because building contact over complaining is a rubbish way of doing it. It. it really is. It really is a rubbish way of connecting with people because actually it's, you're, you're distancing people from God. And, um, and you know, we, we need to take care in church because grumbling can get a grip in church. And we need to take care. We had a bit of a mishap five years ago. Uh, for those of you visiting, sorry to just briefly mention this. But I've noticed, having been here 22 years, the last five years, it's like that mishap licensed grumbling in the church. I believe. And no individual person probably feels the difference, but I, I, I get so many different things happening that you probably don't aware of the other person who came the day before and the week before. It's, I, I just want to say enough already, okay? Because it's, it's too much. And uh, uh, let's forget it, stop it, and move forward. Let's come with solutions and all the rest. And, and I'm just going to leave it there and move on. But what I tell you this is, I love this church, and I'm with Moses about this. 
because I know I can be a negative grumbling person and the point is I want God's mercy and I want God's mercy for all of us and I believe for it. And so what we see though is that this was a place where uh, Moses uh, was talking about making a space where people can find home, uh, find a home in the earth. And so he's pleading to God, I want them to find this home. I I want your mercy so they find what it is to find your home. And then in the next chapter, we see that also Moses had a passion that we would make space on the earth for God to feel at home, right? Because my theme this morning is your home from home, your home from home. So in this uh, next thing, in the chapter 33, this is the next chapter starting at verse 7, we read about how Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. This was the tent, a place, a space where God could come safely to the earth without destroying people because you see he's so holy he's so magnificent like we sang in some of the songs holy 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 that actually we'd be in dead trouble it's like touching a bare electric cable you can't touch that without some kind of insulation it says anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp and whenever Moses went out to the tent all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent and as Moses went into the tent the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend then Moses would return to the camp but his young assistant Joshua son of Nun did not leave the tent it's quite an interesting period of years for that young man verse 12 Moses said to the Lord you've been telling me lead these people but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me Uh, And then you've also said, I know you by name and you've found favour with me. Well, if you are pleased with me, if I have found favour with you, then then teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. He constantly goes back. He's not just thinking of himself. He's thinking of, of the whole people. And we must always think of our whole community, of Chertsey, of Adelstone, of the places where we live, that we are here to do good to all, that we're not here just for me to get by. We are here to be a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And this constantly comes out in Moses' prayers. But you also see that he has a care for God to come. And so it says in... um, Where did I finish? Yes, verse 14 he goes on. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? And then it goes on, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. God's glory is his goodness. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. 
God wanted to be close to Moses, but he's saying, I have to be careful because I don't want to hurt you, Moses. I see, I love it that you want my presence, but I do not want to hurt you. And he's pointing forward to something that eventually Christ would resolve. And then he says, verse 21, Then the Lord said, There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. So with his own hand, he protected Moses from the holiness which Moses didn't have that would have destroyed him because God so loved Moses. And you know, in the prophets, it says that God says, my arm is not too short to save. And one of the ways of speaking about Jesus is that he is the arm of the Lord. And he is, he he really is that arm that covers over us to protect us from the, the righteous wrath of, of God against all that is evil and then I'll re- remove my hand and you'll see my back but my face must not be seen God is so good isn't he you know the most important thing in our lives individually but also as a church is that we have his presence that we like Moses say unless we have your presence well I, I don't want to go up from here we don't want to be here unless we have God's presence that's the most important thing and we want then to create a space as I was saying in the previous chapter which is an open space where people can find they are a home from home that they can come back to the home God intended for them but we also want to create a space here on earth where God can feel at home where his presence can come where his glory can fall and this is what we seek to do and so Uh, Father loves that Moses prayed like that, that he wanted to create a space here in the earth where God would feel comfortable, where God could feel that he can be himself. And as we meet, we want God's presence. By God's grace, we want it as badly as Moses wanted it, don't we? And we, uh, in Christ, we have it on better terms and in more complete safety than Moses could know, actually. Because he just heard God mentioning his hand, but now we know that hand is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to be among us, and we can read about what he was like, and we understand how great and merciful it is. So here at the Beacon and in Revive, we want God the Father and his Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be at home, yes? church and so you know Elspeth and I like to go walking and she's out in the crèche this morning and when you go walking in Britain and many countries actually there's usually fences across fields and you have to have some way as a walker to get across them and if there's a dry stone wall sometimes there are stone steps sticking out you can walk up and then down the other side or something like a step ladder sometimes or you get stiles don't you it's a wooden fence and there's a couple of steps up and then you're over and sometimes my favorite you get a kissing gate and um I generally insist that, that it's, it's, it's against the Trades Descriptions Act not to use the opportunity. And, um, oh, what a good excuse. Now, yeah, I'm not always with Elspeth, of course, because we can't be... And, and when I'm with her, I'm not always kissing her, as you will have observed. But sometimes I do get to actually touch her. And, um, and physically or emotionally in conversation. You know, we don't always feel God's presence, but we want his glory. We want, there are times when his presence is uh, de- detectable. It's, we can feel that he's there. Now, social action may be th- your thing. Maybe you, you're passionate about the justice that God is passionate about and about, about uplifting the poor. Well, praise God for that because that is God's heart. But if you're passionate about that but have no passion for the presence of God, you're missing something. 
Right? A bit like was being said earlier by Stephanie. Prayer is important. It isn't just doing. It is praying. It is engaging with God. So to follow Jesus is both to offer an experience of home to others and to offer an experience of home to God. That is what it means to be a Christian. Now I want to turn to the New Testament, to an event that was, uh, was, um, took place to do with Jesus' home from home on earth. Do you, do you, would, would you like to kind of guess at that? you remember when he lived on earth? Some of you are familiar with the Gospels? The place that was perhaps certainly a candidate place for being Jesus' home from home when he was in, uh, on earth. In Mary and Martha's house, Bethany, that's right. So this is a this village just outside Jerusalem called Bethany. There was a brother and two sisters lived there. And it seems Jesus often re- 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 uh, went there and enjoyed their company and was great friends with uh, this brother and the two sisters. So it was the brother was called Lazarus. The sisters are called Martha and Mary. And uh, Jesus went there often. Now, um, <clears throat> so let me read this section of scripture. It's from John 11. It's going to start at verse 32. And um, what's happened was the Lazarus, the brother, became ill. Uh, they sent a messenger to get to Jesus. When the messenger came to Jesus, Jesus actually delayed returning. He delayed two days before he went to Bethany. Um, and uh, he, there are seasons in God, and we have to sometimes observe those things. So we're very much, you hear about something, do it now. But there can be times when there are seasons. And, um, and then eventually Jesus comes and as he's approaching the, a messenger comes ahead to say he's coming and um, Mary gets up where she's been mourning I guess in the house or by the tomb I'm not quite sure uh, and, and so at verse 32 we read when Mary, Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said Lord if you'd been here my brother would not have died you know, it, it, we, we can complain to God, but just make sure you get on your knees to do it. Right? And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He loved his friend Lazarus, and he wept. And this was knowing, actually, if you know the end of the story, he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he still wept, he identified. And then the Jews said, verse 36, see how he loved him. Verse 37, but some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man? Could, could he, who opened the eyes of the blind man, not have kept this man from dying? They get more complaining. Right? This is an absolute theme throughout scripture. And I would suggest this, this is complaining that God doesn't like. Right? It's, kind of, it's a criticism of God's rule and reign. And he's told us this morning he's reigning. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. They bury people very quickly in uh, these cultures because of the heat. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. The Bible is very straightforward about these matters. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? It's just like in Moses, the glory has been mentioned again. We want the glory, don't we? If you believe, you'll see the glory, he says. Say it with me. If you believe, you will see the glory. Say it again. If you believe, you will see the glory. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father. We see him relating to his heavenly Father. 
Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And when the, then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. And, um, and they say, what are they accomplishing? And various things like this. And then verse 49, one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one, to bring them home. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. When we first acquired this building in December 2013, we met downstairs, and Nathan and Keith were appointed into the leadership team, what we call the eldership. And um, Nathan's father-in-law brought a prophecy, and he quoted from this very passage, which is what led me to it. And um, he said some stuff, if I can find it, it's hard when you don't have two hands. Okay, maybe I can't find it, but it was just, it was picking up on that um, um, section of scripture, and God saying how he was going to... Do you remember this? He was going to bring people out of the graves and we would be taking off... Here we go. Um, <clears throat> and and he, I believe God wants for his glory to be seen in this place. So you'll see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. You'll see the glory of God. You'll see the glory of God. You'll see the glory of God in this place. I want to receive that. Do you? We want to receive it. And that people will be brought to life in this place and he was downstairs so we include revive in that expectation when you feel at home you feel free to be yourself when God is being himself he brings salvation he brings deliverance he brings uh, provision healing endurance through trials bravery faith hope love righteousness peace and joy and of course we don't see all these things already but we're beginning to see them so we're positioning ourselves to receive these things We have been praying to the Father for his prophetic words to be fulfilled over us. Um, And and yet we see even here, just as Moses was so opposed, Jesus was opposed. uh, There were religious people in his day who were opposing him, who didn't like what he was doing, who, when he had raised Lazarus from the dead, had a problem with that. And you kind of think, what? You know, how does that happen? And yet it is crazily possible to have a problem with a good thing. I I catch myself doing it because because somebody did something, I think, oh, that was my prerogative. I should have been able to do that. And then I'm offended. And then God kind of corrects me and say wait a minute what do you think you're doing this is this is my kingdom why are you quarreling about who did it you stupid <laughs> yep. i don't know i don't think i'm not saying i've heard god tell me that i'm stupid but because the pharisees were obsessed with rule breaking weren't they their whole life was focused around whether the rules were being kept and they missed the, the main point but the main thing the, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is the presence of God. It is is us uh, creating a space where people can come and and feel that this, this is home. This is God is bringing me home. And also the same space where God and the the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit feel at home. 
This is what we want, both and. And so these things are really important. And so we are meeting here and we're expecting these things. We are looking for these things. We're looking for salvation and healing. We want to do good and we want to be good. We want in Revive to provide employment, but to build bridges to win people, to have a space where people can connect. We've been meeting many, many years as a church on Sunday morning, and there are comparatively small numbers of people who actually come in on a Sunday morning. And they'll always be brought by us at the end of the day, almost always, and that's good. And we should bring more people. But we have an opportunity through Revive to see more people actually connect with us in some way. So through the autumn, there's going to be three occasions, once a month in October, November and December, when we'll actually worship down in Revive. And that's going to be very different. We'll have to see how we do that so we connect well with anybody who's coming along. So it's a, we have all kinds of different expressions of mission that have taken place over the years. Here is a fresh one. And so there are different seasons in life. And sometimes it's hard to predict. Just recently it's switched from summer to autumn, hasn't it? Almost. And um, I remember when a former member of our church, Sarah Sheila Brown and I, we went to West Africa to visit Alice Cook, uh, another former member of the church. And you knew it was going to be hot there, so you pack to be hot, okay? But it's difficult. It was quite cold, I think, here. And you think, I'm going to the airport, and you feel you need, like, sweaters and things. But you had to know, it's a different season there. I'm, I do not need sweaters. And you have to force yourself not to. And, and, and then when they opened the doors of the plane, it was like a wall of heat hit you, okay? And um, so we have to, to judge these seasons well. So uh, in, in, in wrapping up, I want you to look around you now, literally now, look around you. Can you look around? Examine the place, right? Look at this place. <clears throat> this, is, this is the home that, that God's provided. Um, I want to ask you, is, and you need to answer this, okay? Is there an echo of hard floors and lofty ceilings? No. Is there stained glass? No. no. Right. Is there stone laid upon stone a thousand years ago? No. no. Uh, uh, are you sitting on a hard wooden pew made hundreds of years ago? No. Is there an icy floor beneath your feet? No. no. Yes, there's an icy draft, okay? That might be turned off then now. Have people worshipped in this space for hundreds of years? No. No. Um, is it a church? Yes. Well, is it? Is the building a church? No. Okay, right. Can we get 300 in this space? No. No. Okay, so all that's no. Can it get too, so can it get too hot in here in the summer? Yes. Yeah. Can it be cooled? Yes. That's good. Can it be too cold in the winter? Yes. Well, can it be warmed? Yes. Ah, good. Um, can we build another floor on top? Yes. Yeah. Can, uh, was this built to be a supermarket? The answer is yes. Um, is it located on a main shopping street? Yes. Is it available for kingdom use? Yes. Can we be proud of what we've made of this old yes. supermarket? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And is it all paid for? Yes. So now look again at the people around us. Right? Are they the church? Yes. yes. Do you love them? Yes. Do you pray for some of them at least? Yes. Have you celebrated birthdays and funerals and other life events with these people? Yes. Have you walked through various trials with some of them? Yes. Have you served alongside them? Yes. Are there those who've challenged and fathered and mothered you? Yes. 
Are you not so sure about that? <laughs> Can the Father use us to offer a home-from-home home experience to each other and the lost? Yes. And can Jesus help us to create a space here on earth where Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit feel really at home? I think he can and he does. And it's all made away by what Jesus did, isn't it? That those Caiaphas prophesied, he didn't realise what he was prophesying, that Jesus was going to die to bring them together and make them one, to bring us home. And that is what God has done and what we want to continue to do by the grace of God.